Welcome to our Trade Academy podcast series in which our experts simplify complex concepts involved in international trade and trade finance. In this episode, we'll be focusing on the delivery terms as laid out by Incoterms, along with responsibilities and transport security. So, summarizing the key changes. First, we have the Incoterm rules for any mode or modes of transport followed by Incoterm rules applicable for sea and inland waterways transport. These are in the ascending order in terms of risk, cost and insurance for the seller. DAP has moved one level up and is right after CIP and DAT is renamed to DPU that is delivered at place unloaded and is just before DDP. There are no other changes in terms of the order of placement. Now we will look at the first three most important changes and these are under FCA Incoterm where delivery of goods takes place before goods are on board the vessel. Incoterm 2020 now requires the buyer to instruct carrier to provide an onboard bill of lading to the seller. This helps with presentations of documents under DCs calling for onboard bill of leading. The next is under CIP Incoterm, the insurance should cover Institute Cargo Clause A or similar. And the third one is the Incoterm DAT that is delivered at terminal has been changed to DPU that is delivered at place unloaded. The other three simple changes are relating to security, costs and presentation design. With regards to the change on security requirements, Incoterm 2010 did touch on responsibility for security requirements and their costs. But Incoterm 2020 makes security obligations more prominent under A4 and A7 in each rule. Transport security requirements have become more prevalent. For instance, screening of containers are now mandatory. These requirements bring costs and risk delay if not fulfilled. Another change relates to costs. All costs are now listed in the allocation of costs sections for each rule to avoid confusions. And these now appear in the A9 and B9 section of each rule. The various costs which fall to be allocated by various articles within the Incoterm rules have traditionally appeared in different parts of each Incoterm rules. For, for example, in, in FOB, costs related to delivery of a document were mentioned in A8 but was not in A6 under allocation of costs 2010 version. These issues have now been streamlined in the 2020 version where all costs allocated by each Incoterm rule is mentioned under A9 stroke B9. This can now be considered as uh, a one-stop list of costs for traders. Traders are now able to clearly understand the collective cost to each party. With regard to presentation and design, this has improved in the 2020 version, which includes explanatory notes and pictures, reordering of each Incoterm, and an extra tool that has been included at the back of the Incoterm book that sets out the positions for each Incoterm. In a way, it can be compared across all Incoterms.
So that's it for the changes incorporated in relation to security costs, the presentation and design. So now let's move on to discussing changes relating to FCA. Now under the previous Incoterm, that is Incoterm 2010 FCA, parties required a bill of lading with onboard notation. But because FCA terms were technically fulfilled before the goods were loaded onto a vessel, it was difficult for the seller to obtain an onboard bill of lading. Now, under the terms 2020 Incoterms, buyers must instruct the carrier to provide an onboard bill of lading to the seller once goods are loaded. Now, according to Rule FCA Section B4, the buyer must contract or arrange at its own cost for the carriage of the goods. Now, there is a gap in delivery between FCA and FOB. If you are selling on FCA, the delivery point is different to FOB. Let us take a look at the journey of goods under FOB, that is named port of shipment. The difference between FCA and FOB to the seller is a significant cost and risk. The seller's responsibility under FOB is until the point named port of shipment, which includes loading and pre-carriage as applicable. In the 2010 Incoterms rules, exporters of goods in containers were encouraged to use FCA, which seemed best for both parties. However, Many people were using FOB when they should have really been using FCA. Now, why is that? Even sophisticated sellers said they wanted to use FOB because a standard letter of credit requires an onboard bill of lading to be presented. Therefore, the sellers were taking more risks and using FOB instead because they wanted to get paid under the LT by submitting complying documents. And by that I mean bill of lading with onboard notation. The Incoterms 2020 FCA now states that if the parties have so agreed, the buyer must instruct the carrier to issue to the seller at the buyer's cost and risk a transport document stating that the goods have been loaded such as a bill of lading with an onboard notation. In summary, the key points on the changes to FCA by looking at an FCA scenario. Goods are sold on FCA terms and to be transported by sea. The seller, the buyer and their banks require a bill of lading with an onboard notation as to the terms of the letter of credit. The problem is that the delivery under FCA happens before the goods are on the vessel and the seller is not able to present a bill of lading. The solution to this is the A6 and B6 article under FCA rules where the seller and buyer agree that buyer will instruct its carrier to issue an onboard bill of lading to seller once goods are loaded on the vessel. A part of the B6 article reads if the parties have so agreed the buyer must instruct the carrier to issue to the seller at the buyer's cost and risk a transport document stating that the goods have been loaded, such as a bill of lading with an on-board notation. The second key change that we will be talking about 
is on the change applicable to the Incoterm rule CIP, that is carriage and insurance paid to. But before we go into the changes of this rule, let's have a quick look at the journey of goods and the various obligations from seller to the buyer. The name place of destination is after the main carriage is complete. The seller's obligations are to ensure that checking, packaging, marking, etc. is done. Then any export taxes and duties are paid. Then make arrangements for pre-carriage if any. And then ensure that goods are handed over to the first carrier, unloaded on the seller's means of transport, which is considered to be the point of delivery. The Incoterm CIP means that the seller delivers to the carrier, but then pays for the carriage and insurance to the named destination. Now, under Incoterms 2010, the previous iterations for both CIF and CIP rules, the seller is obliged to provide insurance for the buyer at least at the minimum cover that is equivalent to the Institute Cargo Clause Level C. This is a basic level of insurance. But in the new version, Incoterms 2020, CIF remains at the same level of minimum insurance. But for CIP, it is required that sellers must obtain and arrange for insurance coverage at Institute Cargo Clause Level A, which is the widest insurance coverage covering all risks, meaning the insurance level has increased to benefit the buyer. So this is the major change here on CIP level. Of course, Clause A demands a higher premium than Clause C, which is considered the most restrictive coverage. For your understanding, some of the risks like earthquake, volcanic eruption, or light, lightning, washing overboard on, on deck of the cargo, total loss of any package lost overboard or dropped during loading, unloading of the risk are covered by Institute Cargo Clause A and not C. Now let's have a quick look in summary of the key points on the changes for CIP. So for both CIP and CIF rules, the seller must obtain insurance, however, against the buyer's risk and loss. In the 2010 INCO terms, minimum level of insurance cover for both CIF and CIP was Institute Cargo Clause C or similar. In 2020 version, it was proposed by the Incoterms drafting group to increase the required level of insurance cover to Clause A or similar for CIP and for CIF at a minimum level of Clause C as per the Incoterms 2010. Now let's move on to the final key change and that is to do with the Incoterm DPU. DPU named place of destination. This is renamed Incoterm in this latest edition. There are two important things to note under this change. The first is DAT, which stands for Delivery at Terminal, has been changed to DPU, which stands for Delivered at Place Unloaded, to provide a broader understanding for where goods have been placed. While goods could still be certainly delivered to a terminal, not every place is referred to as a terminal. So this change in name of the INCO term was just meant to clarify that it didn't have to be a specifically a terminal. 
other than the name change, the functionality has pretty much stayed the same. So if DAT is something that you were using in the past, this change should have pretty little effect on your actual practices other than the fact that now it is called DPU. The next is uh, to note under this change is to do with placement of this INCO term in the list. That is, DPU is now placed after DAP. Now let's understand why. Now the point of delivery under DPU is named place of destination with goods unloaded, which means risk, cost, and insurance is sellers, is uh, seller's responsibility till goods are unloaded at named place of destination. One more thing. This is the only INCO term that requires the seller to unload the goods at destination. Now under DAP, the responsibility of the seller is exactly the same as under DPU. However, the goods are handed over with goods being unloaded on the arriving means of transport. That's it for this episode. Please join us in the next instalment to learn more about the changes made to DPU and DAT, along with answers to a variety of scenarios related to Incoterms. <laughs>